0: If you, ha- I mentioned our prayer meetings earlier, and if you've been attending our prayer meetings that we've been having since August, you're probably gonna, probably gonna recognize the scripture that we're gonna talk about that we're gonna go over this morning. As a matter of fact, it should sound really, really um, familiar to you. Uh, during these prayer meetings, you know, as we've been searching the scriptures together and and uh, conversing with one another and, and praying over what really is our mission and our main priority as the church to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, we really have grounded ourselves in this particular scripture. This particular scripture has kind of been our starting point, if you will. it's, uh, it's really can be considered our starting point for a lot of stuff, our, our starting point for everything in our lives as, as Christians. I still see some of y'all reading those. It's the start, <laughs> It, 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 it could be the starting point of, uh, of living out our Christian faith, uh, really for becoming everything that God wants us to become. It's our starting point for all of our relationships. It's our starting point for our ministries, whether we're talking about personal ministries, you know, what we do uh, with other folks or for other folks um, outside the church walls, inside the church walls, or whether or not we're talking about the types of ministries that we do together communally as a church. Uh, But it's not just a starting point. It really can be, and it really is, in my opinion, the basis for lifelong growth into Christlikeness. It really is the basis in being and becoming authentic, real uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. And it comes out of the Gospel of John, John chapter 15. It's verses uh, 1 through 8. And these are the words of Christ. Starting in verse 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. If you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch. In a and it withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's the word of God for the people of God. And I, I know first, first, just off the rip, that uh, that's one of those, that can be one of those very, very confusing teachings of Jesus. There's a lot of repetition in those verses, a lot of stuff that he says kind of uh, over and over, and maybe it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm not going to cover the entire scripture because that would take entirely too long. But what I want to do is I want to pull out really the main point here, uh, what Christ is getting at. First and foremost, something you might recognize in these particular verses is that that word remain, Remain is in those verses eight times in what is really just a kind of a little short passage of scripture. That's from the New International Version translation, by the way. Some of your Bibles may, instead of say remain, they may have the word abide. That's the word that I'm that I'm most accustomed to to, uh, to reading in scripture. It talks about abiding in me and I and, and me abiding in you, that type of thing. And it's a very very important if not the most important portion of that scripture. This idea of remaining or abiding in Christ is a, is a common theme throughout the Gospel of John. And it's, it's the very foundation it's of our understanding of how God works through us to enable us to love God, to, rema- to enable us to love our neighbors, simply by remaining or simply by abiding in Christ so again, instead of dissecting all of these what can be kind of confusing scriptures, I just want you guys to concentrate on that one word, abide or remain, How, whichever, whichever one you choose to, to, uh, to utilize, they're essentially the same thing. That's what I want to talk to you about today, this idea of abiding or remaining in Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean to abide? What does it mean to remain? Well, it basically just means this. It basically just means to stay. It means to stay grounded. It means to to, uh, to live in a constant state of, of awareness of the presence of God who is always with us, but also in an awareness of our constant relationship with Jesus that never ends. As Paul says, it means to pray constantly, to seek Jesus and in all things. There's a short definition or short understanding of what he means when he says remain in me or abide in me. And with that, Christ tells us very plainly. Now, this is the plain part of the scripture, confusing as it can be. Abiding in Christ, Jesus follows that up by telling us very, very, very plainly what's going to happen if we do remain in Christ, if we do abide in Christ, and what's going to happen if we don't abide in Christ. Take a look at verses 4 and 5 one more time. Here's what Jesus says. Remain in me or abide in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches, and here it is. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's pretty simple to understand. Jesus says that if we abide in Him, if we remain in Him, we're going to produce a lot of fruit in our lives. If we don't, we won't. So what is this fruit that Jesus is talking about? What is this fruit that God, that Christ is referring to? The kind of fruit that Christ is referring to are, is both the inward and the outward evidence that we are truly abiding in Christ and that our minds and our hearts are being transformed into His likeness. And I want to, what I want to talk to you about today. Besides the fa- besides abiding, what happens when we do abide? What happens when we fail to abide? Maintain that relationship. Maintain that prayer life. All, all of all of these things that we that we that we participate in uh, to remain that relationship with Christ. To uh, to uh, continue to allow Him to change us. I want to talk about what that fruit is. What does He mean when He says, "You'll produce much fruit if you abide in Me, if you remain in Me." And uh, if you don't, you know, you won't. What's he mean by that? Well, the Apostle Paul names very specifically what that fruit is over in Galatians chapter 5. It's Galatians 5, chapter uh, 22 and 23. And if you've been in the church any amount of time, you have undoubtedly heard of this fruit before. It's what we refer to as what? Fruit of the Spirit. There you go. And here they are. Here is what Christ is talking about he refers to that fruit that abiding, that remaining in him produces these are those things and I really want to drive this home this morning and I hope that I do a good job with it these are those things which are evidence of our spiritual health and that they are evidence that we are followers of Christ here they are there's nine of them love joy peace kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control i didn't have time to make slides for this i wish i had but you can find all of those in galatians if you want to look at them again they're in galatians 5 chapter galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 me repeat them one more time love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness and self control now what I want you to notice is very 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 specifically about this fruit first and foremost is that these fruits are all inward attitudes to begin with anyway all of these fruits that are produced as we abide, as we remain in Christ, all of these fruits that are the evidence that we are in relationship, that we are abiding with Jesus, they're all inward conditions to start off with anyway. First and foremost, of course they can be manifested outwardly, and they will be manifested outwardly through our, through our words and through our actions. Foundationally, however, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control are conditions of the heart. They're not stuff that we do outwardly. They're manifested outwardly again, obviously, but they all begin right here. It's not about our actions. It's not about what we do or what we don't do we're abiding in Christ, we're going to start by producing, by seeing these fruits produce in our lives. As what? I'll repeat it again and again. The evidence that we are following and abiding in Jesus. That's what abiding in Christ produces. These are the marks. These are the defining characteristics of a Jesus follower. And I'm going to be honest with you folks. Um, This is kind of a far cry from a lot of the things, primarily the outward things, those things that we do or that we don't do, that we often utilize to gauge our faith, that we often utilize to gauge the faith of others. Would you all agree with me on that or not? I know in the environment that I was brought up in, it was always about outward appearances. It was always about what that person does or that doesn't do. God forbid you smoke a cigarette. God forbid you have a drink of wine, you're going to hell. God forbid you drop a curse word from time to time. These were what was defined as God-fearing, Bible-believing, godly people in the environment that I came up in. And it still exists today. We still do it today. And all of that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being a Bible believer, obviously. We respect Scripture. We love Scripture. It's our guideline for life. But I'm going to tell you, I know some extremely hateful people who can quote Scripture backwards and forwards. I know people who fear God or say they do anyway, but they ain't gentle. They're not joyful. They're shy of patience. And you could forget about any kind of expression of love. These things do not define, characterize. These are not the marks of what Christ's follower is. Jesus is so plain about it. But it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to pick on people by what they do on the outside or what they fail to do on the outside. That's simple. Especially people, again, like I mentioned last week, who happen to sin differently than we do. That's easy to pick apart. That's simple, Wayne. You and me talk about so much. You have asked me this question so many times. What does it look like to be a Christian? How many times do you asked me that, brother? What does it mean? What does a person exude if they claim to be a Christian? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's your answer. Faith in Christ should produce these things. It's a simple directive. It's a simple directive. Abiding, remaining in Christ. But like so much of Christ's teachings, it's not necessarily easy. Look back at Jesus' metaphor in uh, verses 1, 2, and 6, I believe it is. <laughs> it's about, where, he, where he talks about pruning and cutting. Uh, one and two, I'm the vine, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Move on to verse six. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Abiding in Christ is going to require a willingness and a desire, not just a willingness, a desire to be pruned. And let's be honest, folks. Being pruned can be painful. It can be uncomfortable. Cutting away those ideas, those attitudes, those desires, those attachments, those sins... That lack of love for God and for neighbor that we have, all of these things that even maybe have brought us some kind of sense of comfort throughout our lives, sometimes for many years. It's not easy. And it's gonna be painful. And I'm not talking about surface level stuff like I mentioned, like I mentioned a second ago. You know, really you look at the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments are pretty easy to follow. You know, it's pretty easy not to kill folks, it's pretty easy not to not to not to have extramarital relationships. It's pretty easy not to steal. That's not what I'm talking about. That's all exterior That's all exterior stuff. So I'm talking about the matters of the heart. I'm talking about self-pride, false pride, all this stuff that is beyond surface level. I'm talking about deep matters of the heart and the many, many layers of self-centeredness and self-seeking that we have indulged in for so, so very long. Abiding in Christ is going to require a submissive, pruning and cutting away of all that stuff. Some of us don't want to give it up. That's understandable. There are certain things about ourselves that we don't want to give up. Because a lot of that's in our simple nature. It's in our our nature to be self-centered. It's in our nature to put ourselves first. It's in our nature, obviously, to love myself before I love my neighbor a lot of times. We've got to ask ourselves, do we want to give that up? This whole abiding in Christ thing, this whole idea of becoming love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Well, the short answer is yes. And actually Jesus tells us, I don't have this for the screen, but just a few verses later, Jesus says, yeah, it's absolutely worth it. Here's what he says in John fifteen eleven: He says, I have told you all this, I have told you all of this stuff. Back up to verses 1 through 8. All this stuff about abiding in me and cutting away and pruning, all that stuff that's not good for you. I have told you all of this stuff. Why, Jesus? So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. Jesus says not only is it worth it, it's it's, it's more than worth it. You know, one of the coolest things to me about the Christian faith is that joy is not found in our external pursuits. That's what the world tells us. It tells us we're going to find joy in our relationships. It tells us that we're going to find joy in our bank account. It tells us that we're going to find joy in, in whatever whatever habits we have that control us, what, which is basically idolatry, by the way. The world tells us that's where joy comes from. That's not what Christ tells us. And that is the ironic and the, also the cool, one of the coolest things about Christianity is joy isn't found in the external, but it's found in giving up ourselves for the sake of other people. What a concept, right? Joy is found in becoming love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. That's what we get when we abide in Christ. That's what we become when we abide in Christ, and that's what I'm. That's what I want to encourage you. In general, but also specifically on this New Year's Day. You know, all of us are aware that you know New Year's rolls around and everybody makes a lot of New Year's resolutions. Most of those are broken within the first month. Uh, research tells us that, uh, and we can laugh about it. But he, uh, traditionally. Um, those involved in the Methodist movement have also participated in something very similar to New Year's resolutions. And it's called our Covenant Renewal Service. Y'all I'll happen to recognize that term, some of you? With the exception of, uh, with the exception of today, with the exception of this year, every, pre, every prior year since I've been serving as a pastor, I, I, I've gone through a Covenant Renewal Service with, uh, with the congregations that I serve. Basically what that is, is it's a, uh, it's a liturgical service very similar to what we do during communion it's, it's, it's a lot of responsive reading in other words I'll, I'll say something and, and you guys will respond prayerfully to it but <clears throat> basically the idea around that is recognizing and, and admitting you know our failure throughout the year um, to fully live up to our calling for one thing um, but also afterwards that you know res- responding and recovenanting or revitalizing our relationship with God and re- and revitalizing and re together is our as, our, uh, as the community, as the local church and uh, you know, re- revitalizing those efforts and in, in our, in our commitment. Uh, I'm not going to do that this year. Uh, just, I just opted not to. Um, but considering the subject matter of abiding in Christ, I'd like you guys to consider that at the beginning of 2023. What does that look like? And I want you guys to consider how maybe y'all can make a new covenant when it comes to abiding in Christ with yourself. With abiding in Christ, with Christ. By abiding, uh, what does that look like in your family life? What does that look like in the, in, in the life of your church? How you might more consistently and more routinely abide in Christ. And that's, and that's, that's, that's uh, kind of the flyers that I gave out to you. If you want to take a look at them now. These are just some ideas. This is not something I'm going to hold you to. This is not something I'm, you see, you see there's a place on there for you to sign. I'm not going to ask for your signature or anything like that. I'm just giving you... I'm just, <laughs> I need a copy of it myself. Um, again, this isn't something for you to sign unless you want to for your own purposes. But this is just kind of something that, uh, that you might want to consider. What's it look like to abide in Christ? What could it look like to abide in Christ in the upcoming year? Maybe a little more than I've been doing thus far. What would that look like? And what would it look like at the beginning of this year to, to re-covenant? <laughs> that relationship with Jesus. And these are just a few ideas um, that, that, you, might, that you, might consider, you might want to consider or you might just want to get some kind of idea. But uh, here's, here's, I'll just read through it. Radical hospitality. Y'all know that we've talked about radical hospitality so, so very much since I've been here. And we're doing, a, in my opinion, we're doing a really excellent job as a church exercising this. But here's a few ideas how you might, might want to re- covenant with Christ. How you might want to abide with Christ a little more in, in, in this regard. Make my heart a welcoming place for God. Spend time with God. And I know that seems like such a simple, simple, duh, directive as Christians, but we really can't overemphasize how important it is to actually spend time with God. Don't rush through your times with God. Don't give God five minutes of your day. Give him more than that. He deserves it for one thing, but here's the other thing. You are the one who's going to benefit from that as well. The more time you spend with God, the more you are going to exude those qualities of love, peace, <laughs> patience, <laughs> kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the promise that Jesus gives in our scriptures today. Spend time with God. One of the simplest pieces of advice that I can give you in abiding in Jesus, in, in re people to church. Welcome people who attend. Those are, great, those are great things that we most of us do anyway. When we come to church, remember I'll be passionate in my worship. We don't come to church for, for socialization, even though that's certainly a part of it. We gather on Sunday mornings for a reason, and that's, that's to worship. Prepare yourselves with the right heart when you step into those doors. Attend worship regularly. Anything that I say this morning is not meant to produce a sense of guilt. So please don't take it that way. But you know, Christianity is pretty much a lot like anything else. You get out of it what you put into it. So if you're attending a church service for an hour a month, you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of it. You're probably not going to see a whole lot of change in your life. Commit to regular attendance. Find a daily devotional that works for you. That goes back to spending time with Christ. Be intentional in your faith development. Pray. We already talked about that. Be a part of a group for discussion, study, or prayer. What's one thing that I have tried to hammer home to you guys for two years now? Be a part of a small group. That's why we've got so doggone many of them right now. I cannot overemphasize the importance of being a part of a group, whether it's what we do with life groups or just basically uh, just getting together and talking about our lives with Jesus, whether it's being part of our Bible study, which is awesome, by the way, whether it's being part of our Sunday morning thing, we have a number of opportunities to be a part of, to be involved in. And again, it's for your benefit. It's not for me standing up here to make you feel guilty or feel bad about it. It's for your benefit. <clears throat> Discover your spiritual gifts and talents, and all of you have we did speak about this recently every one of you has spiritual gifts every one of you has talents that God himself has given you and just read through the rest of it I'm not, not going to read this whole thing to you
1: and again this isn't
0: about guilt this isn't about making anybody feel bad it's about examining your spiritual lives it's about examining how serious I am about my faith how involved I am with my faith how involved I am with my, faith, am with my church I say that I believe, but do I practice that I believe? That type of thing. How much is my heart really in it? In my relationship with God, in my relationship with my church family? Do I need to recommit it this year? Do I need to spend some time and recommit myself, my heart, my actions to my involvement with God, to my involvement with my church? All of those things. Am I abiding in Christ. Here's the final question you ask yourself. Am I abiding in Christ to the degree where I am seeing actual change in my life, in my heart, in my mind, in the way that I talk, the way that I communicate, the way that I act? Am I seeing the production of love, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? If not, now's a good time to rethink that to recovenant that to revitalize that in your life pray with the gracious heavenly father we thank you this morning we, as we did earlier just for a new year Thank you for the precious of life and grace us bit and god, we don't want to waste it we don't we don't want to waste our lives with with uh, exterior pursuits external pursuits worldly pursuits god we know where true joy and peace lie, and that lies in it lies in you it lies in our relationship with our creator it's stuff that we all know, God, but we, but we, but we somehow just seem to fall short with it so easily and so often. So we we're just asking God to give us reminders, just remind us, God, come into our hearts and, and just, and just remind us. Hey, it's time to have a prayer time. It's time to sit still in my presence. It's time to attend worship with my brothers and sisters. It's time to give some. It's time for me to give some time to other people. Place those reminders in our heart, God, and give us the willingness and the desire to respond to those things. Thank you again for our salvation, Lord. Thank you for Christ who gives us uh, uh, just such such a wonderful example, God, of, of who you are, what you look like, and how you operate. And also at the same time gives us our example of what we can look like, how we can operate in this world. Thank you for all of these gifts, Lord. We thank you for the precious presence of Jesus who's always with us. name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.